This is Cody Smith, and you're listening to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. I am super excited for you guys to be here with me today. I've got an awesome episode that I'm going to record for you, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put something out. And, and before we, you know get going into the show, I want to put out something. This is going to be an accountability check for myself, but this is also something that I want to share to those of you who listen to the show and been following me for a long period of time. COVID-19 and the pandemic has pretty much showed me that there is a gap in the coaching certification space for coaches like you and like myself. Those of us who love CrossFit, we love bodybuilding, we love Olympic lifting, we love powerlifting, we love doing conditioning, um, we love doing our aerobic work. There is a gap for any sort of course or education to teach all of those things in one place. There are other companies out there that are doing amazing things like OPEX. I've had a number of their coaches on. I had their founder on. Uh, Most recently, we had on uh, Georgia Smith, who is their social media content. um, I forget the director. She... um, All of those folks that I've had on for OPEX are amazing, and they are really great at delivering coaching content for the coach out there that wants to do individualized programming and stuff like that. But for, you know, people like me that do group fitness and gym owners and stuff like that, there's not really too many places to go other than the CrossFit Level 1. So what I've been working on for a number of months and something that I'm going to get out over this next year is going to be a coaching certification. I'm going to teach you guys how to do program design. I'm going to teach you how to run an amazing group fitness class. I'm going to have an entire library of every single movement that you can think of that you would ever need to teach, all segmented and organized by movement pattern and progression, and then a video on how to instruct them for each and every one. Now, On top of that, I'm going to have a subsection where I'm going to deliver to gym owners how to build an amazing culture and how we built this fantastic culture here at Virtuous Fitness. And then lastly, how to adequately and appropriately run a group fitness class. We'll have templates and all sorts of things in there. But ultimately, this is everything that I ask my in-person coaches to know. All of them go through and learn this inside of their internships. And I thought, you know, Ultimately, I'm going to have my own personal certification for any of our interns that we run through our program here at the gym. And I thought it would be amazing to offer this to the outside world so that those of you who are just solely reliant on, you know, just the, the, the CrossFit information and the, the other few companies out there to do it that aren't delivering these things, you'll be able to go and get it in one place. And if you are a new and upcoming coach and you want to know how to coach each and every movement and just have this resource to always go back to, this is where you're going to find it. I'm going to be getting this out over the next year and I'm super excited to bring that to you guys. So I wanted to share that solely because that provides accountability for me to make sure that I deliver on that promise. And the other side of it is I want those of you out there that are excited about that to know that I've got something coming for you. And if you're a coach that is just actively, if you're anything like me and you're always chasing education and growth, you're going to be able to come and uh, you know get this course and get this certification and be able to grow in your coaching knowledge. <clears throat> So before we jump into the show all the way, you guys, first and foremost, please go and leave the show a five-star rating review that really helps us to move up the charts. And ultimately, you know, 
every single rating, rating and written review that you guys do um, ultimately helps to move us up in the search in the search criteria so that people can find this show. You know, and then more coaches like you can log on here and get more information. And ultimately, we're in the business of providing better value and an impact to our clients, and we do that through education. So, um, getting you know shows like mine and other great ones out there into the hands of more people, uh, it, it's a very good thing that we can do. Now, the second thing you can do would be to simply take a screenshot on your phone and then post it on your Instagram story and then go ahead and tag me in it. I am at Coach Cody Smith on Instagram, like I said. And uh, I love when you guys do that because it just allows me to connect with you on a deeper level. And then ultimately, I like to share it inside of my story um, to give you guys a little love on social media as well. So again, leave that rating and review and then take that screenshot, post it on your Instagram story. And then without any further ado, you guys, let's go ahead, go ahead and jump in to today's show. So ultimately what we're going to get into today is movement progressions by movement patterns. Now, you know, I I essentially at this gym, I run a pretty tight ship and I ask a lot of my coaches and I ask them to understand a lot of different things. But at this point, you know, we have 10 different coaches. We've got a lot of stuff going on here at the gym at any given time. And ultimately it can be very challenging. You know, they, they say that as the, you know, the size of your business grows or the you know the size of your team grows the ability to deliver a product like the quality of that goes down and and we kind of saw that over the past few years as you know the size of our facility grew our membership base grew our coaching staff grew as all these things continue to go ultimately i had to come up with a framework and a way to you know deliver to my new coaches and my new interns on the team how we wanted things to go. And, you know, the, the reality is, is that after you go to, you know, your, your CrossFit level one, or you go get some sort of coaching certification, and then you come back and you try to deliver that, there's usually this big gap of the information that you learn, you know, through reading and through um, executing at these different courses and these different seminars. And then there's a gap when you go and you deliver that to an actual person or an actual client. You know, I remember going to my first CrossFit Level 1 certification in Huntersville, North Carolina. Um, you know, back when I came through, there, uh, there, was a, there wasn't yet a test, and you could go to this weekend seminar and, you know, spend eight hours. You would go in for a few hours on Friday. Uh, I remember we went to the, the gym and met the owners there and met some of the staff that was setting up and stuff like that. And then you would go and do your Saturday and your Sunday seminar, and then you would get your certification when you leave and you would be a certified CrossFit coach. You could go back and start doing your thing. Now, I went on that Saturday and, you know, we worked out and we executed on, you know, what CrossFit taught, which is the nine foundational uh, movements, which was, let me see if I can remember them all off the top of my head, squat, front squat, overhead squat. Then there was press, push press, push jerk. And then I think the last one was deadlift, sumo deadlift, high pull, and then a medicine ball clean. And, you know, and for us at our certification that Sunday, we actually get to learn how to do the snatch with the PVC pipe. What, what, but what was crazy about it is it took like all of 30 minutes for us to go through and learn this thing. And it isn't that we were moving good. It was just, you know, CrossFit was at its primitive thing and we were just kind of up and coming. Um, you know, so I go and learn all these nine foundational movements and how to execute it. But the thing about it is, is that when you're practicing these movements with, you know, other coaches like yourself, the majority of us move pretty well. We don't have any sort of mobility issues. All of us have been training for a good period of time. 
and there there wasn't a lot of uh, troubleshooting. There wasn't a lot of discrepancy, and ultimately there wasn't even a lot of queuing and a lot of changing of movement, because all of us were very familiar with it, and more or less just going there to get our certification. So I spent all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Had a great time. I was super excited. I was ready to come back and deliver this to. Um, the, the clients that I told that I was going to go and get my coaching certification, you know, I was set to go, I was ready to get back. And when I got back and I started to deliver these workouts to people and deliver these, uh, different movements to people, things didn't really line up. I mean, I had all sorts of like, you know, aches and pains, knee issues, um, hip issues, uh, a lot of issues with getting into a proper hinge position and people weren't able to do presses correctly overhead. And there was just all these things that I ran into that I, w- I didn't feel like I was able to properly deliver, you know, um, I wasn't able to properly deliver these movements to people. So ultimately I had to set out and start to understand how can I take what I know and meet what I know with where my clients are. And there was a huge gap there, and I actually had to go through and create it. And, and I basically realized that I can't expect somebody who is brand new off the street to come to me. Or, or, you know, and again, I don't know if you're an online coach listening to this or if you're a group fitness person. I can't expect a person to come off the street and automatically know, you know, or automatically be able to squat with a barbell in their hand. There has to be some sort of progression for a person who is brand new to fitness, never exercised before, which is a great majority of the people that I first trained, ultimately to the person that has been training for years and is able to go through, you know, the different, uh, the different levels of exercises that we have available to us as coaches. Now, I started to see these same patterns, like I said, as my new coaches started to come on and started to intern, you know, they would do their certification and then come back and then would, they would essentially try to coach exactly how they learned at their certifications. And, and, and although that is a well put thought and, and a, and a thing that is admirable, <clears throat> we know that as coaches, that sometimes what the book says, and sometimes what you learn in certifications don't exactly happen in practice or don't exactly happen the, the way you think it will in practice. So um, this is exactly what this framework today is going, that I'm going to be talking about is all about, is how do you take, and I'm going to go movement pattern by movement pattern, um, how do you take a single movement pattern and then all the movements in that pattern and then adequately progress from you know, not being able to perform a single bodyweight squat all the way through. And what does that look like? Um, And then this goes for all of the movement patterns that we have available to us, which are squat, vertical pushing, horizontal pushing, um, vertical pulling, horizontal pulling, hinging, and then um, single leg core and then carries. Um, And and, and I may jump into Olympic lifting based off of the times that we have have available to us, but um, that may be another show in in itself because that's a a very large topic to discuss. Um, But ultimately, when I created this framework, it was so that I could very easily give this to any of my coaches that were new on staff and that needed to know needed to know how to progress people and to turn people up and to turn people down and how to meet them where they are. Because for us, again, we're a group fitness facility. At any given time, we could have 20 people on the floor and each one of those 20 people might be at a different training age or a different part of their training journey. And the way that we deliver programming here at Virtuous is that 
we deliver it in a movement pattern setting so that at any given time, this very framework can be turned up or turned down. All right. So as an example, before I jump into the full progression is like, let's say that we have, you know, a 10 minute conditioning aerobic piece and it's, um, you know, 15 front squats, 10, you know, dumbbell presses and, um, five strict pull-ups. Well, inside of that, if I can remember all my patterns correctly, um, I'm already brain farting and forgetting them. Um, if we have, you know, a squat pattern, a push pattern, and then a pulling pattern, and let's say they're not able to execute on that squat pattern that we have laid out. Well, my question would be, what is the next regression back, right? Or the regression before that, how can we meet them where they are? <clears throat> so that they're very, uh, they're very um, easily able to trans or to um, transfer into the movement inside of that pattern that is better for them. And it allows my coaches to look at them, look at this person moving and be able to understand whether they should do the prescribed movement for the day or should they do another movement inside of their pattern. This works very well for people that have injuries as well because uh, as an example, I have a person right now that has a knee issue. Well, do we know that typically if there is some sort of knee weakness or knee dysfunction, it's usually gonna be up chain or down chain um, of the person's body that's actually causing the issue. So. Although this client has a knee issue and maybe there is a deadlift in the training for that day, well, a deadlift is a hinging pattern. Well, what is another hinging pattern? Well, there's also a barbell glute bridge. So if I'm going to still train that same pattern but work around that knee issue, <clears throat> I could stay in that same pattern and have them do a barbell hip thrust instead of the deadlift that day, right? So they still were able to train most of the muscle groups that we were looking for inside of that specific training. And again, this does not apply to an individual training, uh, individual training setting. I'm 100% right now talking about um, this particular scenario only applies to a group setting, doesn't apply to an individual setting, but these movement progressions do. Uh, and I'll explain that in a second. But Ultimately, it allows me when I am making choices of how I should regress or progress a person, I can stay inside of these movement patterns. So let's go through an example and just start with the squat. Okay, so the squat is something that you're going to find a lot of clients having issues with. Now, as I go through these different progressions and exercises, know that depending on where your client or maybe you're a person listening to this is just looking for information yourself, whether you're a person listening to this just to learn or you are a coach looking to take these, um, to take this framework and apply it for yourself, ultimately know that just because, you know, you may have an advanced client, it doesn't mean that you can't go down chain and have them do some of the more regressive movements. You would just, you know, implement things like higher tempos or more repetitions or whatever it may be. But, um, Let's talk about progressing the squat and and how I see a very you know a progression going through this. Okay, so in most cases with a squat pattern, if somebody and again this is from somebody who's never trained before all the way to somebody who has a lot of experience and has good motor control over their body. If somebody has done zero training inside of any sort of squatting before, I'm going to start them off with a box squat. So that may be something like a 16 to 20 inch box. I'm going to have them sit back on the box with the proper contact of their feet into the floor, good torso position, and then I'm going to have them stand up nice and tall. Once they have mastered the box squat, I'm going to move them onto an air squat. An air squat for us, and, and for those of you listening that aren't familiar with that term, is just simply a body weight squat. 
we, you know that in, in a bodyweight squat like that, we are looking for somebody to sit hip crease below the top of their knee and the best, you know, and that's best case scenario. Usually I just say the deepest, darkest depths of your squat. That's going to vary from person to person, but we're ultimately, we want to see them be able to execute on a good bodyweight squat. Once they're able to execute on that, I might move them to a goblet squat. That can be with a kettlebell or a dumbbell. From there, I might progress them to a single arm uh, dumbbell or kettlebell squat. If they do well there, then I'll progress them to a dual kettlebell or dumbbell front squat. If they're able to do those and execute those with proper control, then I go front squat. Then that goes to back squat. You could also, and again, some of these... You could probably say they could be implemented about the same time and they could be interchangeable. But in most cases, I go from front squat to either back squat or to a box back squat. Um, and that seems to be a good progression. And then other ways in, in, in another kind of side tangent you can take people through um, inside of the squat pattern um, might be like wall sit, goblet wall sit, kettlebell front rack wall sit, single leg wall sit, single leg kettlebell front rack wall. You know, you can see, you can keep kind of stacking these things up there. And then in my opinion, in, for the squat exercise, the, you know, the, the highest tier squat that you would want everybody to be able to show prowess and all of these prerequisite movements would be um, last and, and, and uh, the last one up the chain would be the overhead squat. And what's crazy about that, just kind of, you know, thinking as I'm going through these progressions with you guys is that uh, for us, when we went to our CrossFit Level 1 certification, it was air squat, front squat, overhead squat. And then to this day, you know, at Virtuous, we don't tend to use the overhead squat a ton just because we just know our what our client base is. Mo majority of our clients are going to be, you know, beginner to intermediate level, and they probably like the overhead squat does not serve them to get better in their fitness and probably won't support their goals, you know, very well. Now, it doesn't say we don't it doesn't mean we don't offer it in any of our group programs at all. It just simply means that it's something that we offer less. Um, so that is how I would approach this squat. Now, moving on into the vertical push pattern. OK, now. Um, with, with most of these, I, I'll go from a landmine to a dumbbell to a barbell, from a single arm to a double arm. Um, all of those tend to be um, just kind of the basic progression that I see. And just know that this is, a, this is just a, a, a simplistic way to look at progressions. I don't, want you to, I don't want you guys to message me and be like, oh, there's, you know, there's so many other variations that you miss. This is just a basic template that I deliver to coaches so that I can make sure that we give a good um, – uh, you know, a good, well-thought-out, evidence-based approach to their training, okay? So for the vertical push pattern, I might have somebody start at a tall, kneeling landmine. Now, I love the landmine variations because if you think about it for a second, there are, in a lot of cases, more often than not, there is some sort of overhead um, instability or flexibility slash mobility issues there. So if I can have somebody start in a landmine position that kind of splits the difference between a horizontal plane and a vertical plane with the angle of in which the landmine might move. Okay, so when I go tall kneeling landmine, I have them in a tall kneeling position because it makes them have to think less about their their stance, you know, their foot position, whether they're activating their quads or their glute. We take so many of the pieces out of it and just simply allow them to work on the upper body portion alone with a single arm, okay? From the tall kneeling, I'll take them to a half kneeling. From a half kneeling landmine press, I'll take them to a standing 
landmine press. <clears throat> from there, you can go from that landmine strict press to a landmine push press, and then ultimately to a landmine push jerk, right? So that we're talking six progressions there alone. From there, I might move them to a single arm dumbbell strict press. Then I might have them do a dual arm dumbbell strict press. Then I'm, I will move them to a single arm dumbbell push press, right? And again, see how this goes from single to dual, right? Then I'll have them do a dual dumbbell push press. Then we move up to the push jerk with the dumbbell and I'll do single arm. Then we'll do, then we'll do dual arm dumbbell push jerk. And this, th again, you can use kettlebells as well. Then and only then do I make it to one of the nine foundational movements that I learned in my certification, which is the barbell strict press. Then I'll go barbell push press, barbell push jerk, and then depending on whether we need this movement or not, I might run into something like a barbell split jerk. Okay, But that's kind of the, the vertical push progression that I'll run people through. From there, we'll start talking about a horizontal pushing position or, or pattern. Um, I typically will start people off in an elevated push-up position. And again, meet your client where they are, use the, the appropriate movement based off of where they are. So elevated push-up can vary in height. Um, I might start somebody very high and work them down to a lower box until they show you know, control and stability. From there, I might take them through a normal push-up. You can also throw in, and, and what can be interchangeable in this horizontal pushing pattern might be the push-up and the hand-release push-up. Then I might go with a ring push-up. From there, I might go into a single-arm dumbbell floor press, and then into a dual-arm dumbbell floor press, and then into an alternating dumbbell floor press, and then into a combo dumbbell floor press, right? So when it comes to the, you know, this these two pushing patterns, both the floor press and the um, the bench press, which is coming up with the dumbbells, is my little framework that I like to do is single, double, alternating combo. Okay, so single is one arm, double is obviously two. Alternating would be two arms, but one arm going up and down, or, or, or one arm going up, other one coming down, right? And you got this alternation mo motion going. And then on the combo, some people call these one one twos, which would be one arm presses, other arm presses, both arms presses, and that would be considered one rep. So with both the dumbbell floor press and the dumbbell bench press, the, the progression that I love to use with people would be single, double, alternating combo. Okay, so the af obviously after the dumbbell floor press, that's when I would move into the dumbbell bench press following that single, double, alternating combo. And then last and certainly not least from there, I might go into the barbell floor press and the barbell bench press. Now, I'm a big pattern, and, and, or I'm sorry, I'm a big fan, like I said, and I hope you can tell from how I progress these movement patterns. I'm a big fan of going from, you know, as close to body weight as possible or the lightest amount or the least amount of risk possible into the heaviest and the um, most risk, um, the, the highest risk elements as the person progresses in their ability to move. Now, just because you have a client that comes in off the street and they're able to safely and, and you know, you've, you've assessed them, they're able to safely perform a bench press, it doesn't mean that, like I said in the beginning of the intro, is that it, that isn't saying that they can't do the other movements inside of this progression. It's just saying that um, they are able to, you know, do the bench press, but 
um, they can do the floor press and all the other ones. Now, on the other side of it is if you have a person comes in and they never done any sort of training, you probably have you probably shouldn't have them do things like the floor press or the bench press until they show an ability to execute on things like the push up and the ring push up and um, things like that. Now, that's just my opinion. Um, obviously, there can be some. Um, different variations in the progression of this. This is just the basic rule of thumb that I follow with most people. Okay. All right. So next pattern is going to be the vertical pull pattern. So in the vertical pull pattern, I like to start people with a banded lat pull down. Now, if you have a lat pull down machine, that might be the best place to start because that's a more controlled environment. For us in the functional fitness gym, we don't tend to have a bunch of lat pull down machines around. So we might start. So we start with the banded lat pull down. From there, I move them to a foot-assisted pull-up. Then we move into a band-assisted pull-up, and band tensions can vary. Then we'll go into a chin-over-the-bar hold. That can be in a pronated or a supinated grip. Then I might have them do negatives. So, and, and, and what I like about the, um, the chin-over-the-bar banded and the negative pull-up is I'll use those variations of all three with majority of my clients, um, a lot of my female clients that want to develop, want to develop strict pull-ups. Now, what's great about the banded assisted is it allows them to go through a full range of motion with, le with, um, with less resistance because they have the band assisting them up and down. What's good about the negative pull-ups is it really helps with a good squeeze and that full flexion of the elbow in the pull-up position at the top. Um, I'm sorry, with the chin over the bar hold. And then with the negative, they get to work on just a long controlled um, eccentric contraction on their way down to the pull-ups. And that three combos together just tends to be, you know, um, the the best approach that I've seen with most people to develop them inside of their pull-ups. And of course, you want to make sure that there's adequate grip strength and um, they have strong enough biceps and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, in most cases, that three-punch that three punch combo right there of the band, the hold, and the negative tends to be perfect. Because from there, you can take them into the strict pull-up. Now, with the strict pull-up, I'll have them do prominated and supinated. And then for my functional fitness people, only then do we start doing things like the dynamic pull-ups, kipping pull-ups, butter pull, butterfly pull-ups. Um, I might take them and start teaching them strict muscle-up progressions and then eventually into the kipping muscle-up. But only after all of those prior criteria have already been met. Now, moving on from there, I will take them into a horizontal pulling. Uh, or, or from there, we can talk about the horizontal pulling. Horizontal pulling, I'll start people on an, on an inverted bar row. From there, we might move into a ring row. With the ring row, you can also do ring row holds, which would be a squeeze and a hold at the top where your chest is touching the rings. I might also have them do a long negative inside of the ring row. And then I can even take them to do a single arm ring row. From there, we do dumbbell row, dual dumbbell row, alternating dumbbell row. And then we got bent over barbell row that's supernated or pronated. Then we got things like the barbell seal row, the landmine row, and the chest supported dumbbell row. And that's typically a progression that I'll roll through in the horizontal pulling pattern with people. So next one we're going to talk about is going to be the hinge. So the hinge is something that um, this was one of the most huge progressions I ever made because um, Ultimately, when you go to your CrossFit certification or a lot of these certifications, um, I find that this is one that isn't talked about enough, right? They go and you just have people that are performing the conventional deadlift or the sumo deadlift that have never done any sort of hinging. And a lot of times, if you cannot get into a good hinge pattern, you probably shouldn't be doing any of these other ones, Um 
until, or I'm sorry, you probably shouldn't be doing any sort of barbell type of deadlift without being able to get into a good hinging pattern. Now, the, the ones that I love to use to, to kind of teach these things would be just a single kettlebell deadlift. Then I might move into a dual kettlebell deadlift. Once they can execute on that, I might take them into then and only then the conventional deadlift. Then I might have them do trap bar, then sumo. From there, then I'll start getting into the Romanian deadlifts, which is um, pretty much just the hinging without the legs for those of you that, for those of you that are familiar. And again, that's going to be single kettlebell RDL. Then I might do dual kettlebell or dumbbell RDL, then barbell RDL. Then we got barbell hip thrust, dumbbell hip thrust. Then we get a B stance hip thrust, which is uh, I believe is um, comes from Ben Bruno. It's where you kind of do an offset to where one foot's flat, one heel is pressed into the ground. Uh, that's a crazy exercise to get uh, good glute activation. Once they're able to execute on all those things, we'll start going into some of the more dynamic stuff like hip extension, back extension, um, good mornings, banded pull-throughs, kettlebell swings and their variations, um, and then any sort of uh, dumbbell power snatching or devil's press type movements. Um, but ultimately, I want to make sure that they're good deadlifters. They have, they are, they are able to, um, they're able to properly achieve the hinging pattern with good, uh, core stability and, and their, you know, their back is turned on glutes and hamstrings are involved. If they can do that, then we'll start moving into some of these higher tier, um, hinging pattern movements. From there, we'll talk single leg movement. So guys, just think of this as any time you were doing, you know, one leg is executing on an exercise, okay? So first place I start people with any sort of um, single leg exercise is typically going to be some sort of box step up. I might vary the type of uh, the, the height at which they step up to. Once they're able to execute on a proper box step up, I might have them go with a lateral box step up. From there, we move into things like split squat. Then we move to reverse lunge. Then we move to forward lunge. Now, I, you might see there, I'm a fan of the reverse lunge for the beginner first, just because for whatever reason, when you execute on that movement, um, more often than not, the lunge is executed properly stepping back more so than stepping forward. So um, I'm a fan of reverse lunge before forward lunge. That's just me personally. Um, but obviously, some coaches uh, might go forward lunge before, and that's completely fine. So once I go reverse lunge, forward lunge, I might take them into a elevated split squat position with their rear foot. Then we go into a jumping rear foot elevated split squat. And once they're able to do that, you can start loading these things down, right? So dumbbells, barbells, the rack variations, you can go front rack, you can do mixed front rack, you can do overhead, you can do single side suitcase. Um, you know, some of these you can add in like the lunging patterns, you can add in the bands and make that, uh, that RNT component when you do it. Um, but ultimately, the lunge load variations are, are, are you know, are, are high in number and you can get creative with them. And then lastly, for single leg patterns, I'll end up taking people into some sort of Cossack squat position, whether I start and, and most likely I'll start them with body weight first and then add in the different loaded components based off of how they're able to execute. Now, before I move on, guys, I want you to make sure that you're still in the right frame of mind. Okay, so as you're listening to me kind of ramble off these different exercises, Think about, you know, if you're a group fitness coach and, you know, you go in and maybe you see, you know, for the strength element, if your coaches or if your if your programming does any sort of, you know, strength element first, a lot of gyms have kind of switched to that model. 
if you walk in and you see that there is a Cossack squat on the screen for that day and you're looking at some of your clients in the class and they're not able to execute on a single you know, a single, they're not able to execute on a Cossack squat. And you know that through watching them through some of their movement patterns and prior workouts, then you probably want to dial them back to some sort of lunging variation. That way they can still continue to work within that specific movement pattern that matches that exercise, but without really risking it and moving into the Cossack squat before they've mastered some of the other stuff. Now, if it's just a technical issue and not necessarily like, you know, just not being able to execute on that movement, then it's going to be up to you as a coach to teach that to them. But I, I find that in a lot of cases, it's not you know just a coaching issue. It's just simply not being exposed to some of the more regressive stuff first. Okay, so moving on from there, let's start talking about some of the core exercises that you may see. Now, I'm a big fan when it comes to core training with you know the new to the advanced person. I'm a big fan of starting them starting them with some sort of isometric type exercises. So I'm talking the, the various forms of planks that you have. So in most cases, my progression that I follow is going to be four, uh, forearm plank, then a side plank. And again, there's certain time, time domains that I'm looking for people to be able to execute on. And I really hold them to a T in a personal training or a more individual training, uh, a more individual training kind of um, setting. But once they're able to do that, then we move into things like sit-ups. Then we got tuck-ups single leg V-ups, regular V-ups, all the different hanging exercises that we have. Typically, I'll go knees before straight legs, so it'll be hanging knee raise, um, strict toes to bar. Then we get into things like kipping, um, any sort of kipping variation. And then interchangeable with that, um, you can also do things like your bottom balances, side plank rows, side plank pro uh, rotations, palav press, um, dead bugs, banded dead bugs, and bird dogs. Um, and then last but certainly not least, if they are able to execute on all of those prior core exercises, then and only then do we get into things like the GHD sit-up um, and its variations with things like meta medicine balls and weights and stuff like that. Um, but again, that is the, the core progression from first movement to last movement that I would fall, follow with most people. Now from there, we'll finish up with carries, okay? So some people group core exercises and carries together. I tend to separate them in categories about how I deliver programming and how I think about programming, but you can also mix these with um, you know, your core training as well for your clients, whether it's in the group or the individual setting, okay? So when it comes to carries, I will start somebody off with just a basic farmer carry. So dumbbells, kettlebells, farmer handles, all of those are completely fine. Once they are able to execute on a dual arm farmer carry, I will move into a single arm farmer carry. From there, we'll go into a single arm overhead farmer carry. And then from there, we'll go into a dual arm overhead carry, whether it's you know handles, kettlebells, dumbbells, barbell, doesn't really matter. Then we can move into an overhead carry. From there, I'll progress them into some sort of mixed rack carry, whether it's a dual arm rack, um, one arm at your suitcase, one arm in a front rack, uh, one arm overhead, one arm in suitcase. I just simply classified as mixed rack carries because you're able to rack and put the loading that you are using in different positions um, based off of what sort of intention that you're trying to get from that. Now, guys, I knew I threw, I know that I threw a lot of exercises at you and you can always go back, you know, you can save this episode, you can go back and you can listen to it again. But 
ultimately my goal with this is for coaches to think more about how they can fit that particular session to their client or I'm sorry, yeah, I think I'm saying this right, how they can um, fit their client specifically to that session versus, or that session to that client versus trying to fit the person to the session, right? In a lot of settings, simply trying to hammer a square peg into a round hole is not going to work. So start to think more about based off of, you know, what person you have in front of you, how can you better serve them with, you know, the plan training for the day in the group setting. And then if you are an online coach or you're an individual coach out there and you make programs one-on-one, start thinking about where your client is based off of their, you know, their prior training history, their training age, all these different things. And think about what sort of exercises you should be moving them through. And ultimately, you know, paint a picture that's big for them. Tell them what you want them, where you're trying to take them to. You know, if your client is just starting out and they're only able to do forearm planks, then tell them, like, I'm trying to get you to be able to do things like strict toes to the bar if that serves their goal. I'm trying to get you to be able to do things like V-ups and some of these more advanced core exercises so that we can keep pushing your ability to do things. Um, And right now, here's where you are, but here's where I want you to be. Know that you have for them progressions and regressions based off of, you know, what type of person you have in front of you. Um, This very framework alone has has really helped me to, um, you know, basically take some of my brand new coaches and turn them into somebody who understands at a deep level how to better personalize any sort of workout that they have um, in front of them to pretty much any single client. And what's great about this too is this very single approach. If you're a coach that does a ton of individual program design, you've got a bunch of templates and you use these templates and you make little tweaks and peaks and stuff like that based off of what that person's goals are, you can take these progressions and regressions and you can better, you know, suit your template to that person. So, um, You guys, I hope this information was impactful for you. I hope this is something that you can use in your program design and um, you can use as a coach to deliver a better service to your clients. Ultimately, that um, if that helped, you know, if this show helped one person do that, then I'm super excited and glad that you listened. Um, So guys, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today and tuning into the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. I release episodes every single week. You can find me at Coach Cody Smith in the gym at Virtuous Fitness WA on Instagram to stay up to date with all things Virtuous Fitness. Before you go, head over to iTunes and give this show a rating and review. That is how we grow this show and make it even more impactful for you. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.